You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Eric Barton. We're so glad you've joined us today, and as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter, at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. So last week, again, we we talked about rest, and in my family... Uh, right now, we are painting the outside of our house. So, so what we actually did, my wife and I was, hey, let's get this done. And so we got two or three bids, and they were about four times more than we expected them to be uh, to, to paint the outside of the house. If you're a painter, good to you. Uh, and so I did the, the logical thing. I said, how hard could it be? We could do this. And so, yeah, you groan and write. So, but, I, but I saw it on YouTube. I looked it up, right? So I, I watched YouTube, how to paint a house. I'm like, oh yeah, there's four or five videos here. We'll watch the videos and we'll paint away. I bought one of those professional sprayers. Sam, our son, actually was leading the charge. And so we even did some practice spraying. We're like, oh, we got this down. So we, uh, we were coming home then from church last Sunday. And the goal, we about 70% done. We're, we were gonna finish painting the house. And as we're pulling in, my uh, son goes, huh, good sermon on rest, Dad. <laughs> we're working today. <laughs> and we did. We were, so we actually, we, we did. We continued to paint. And we, uh, we're now about 80% done, and we were 80% done on Monday, and we ran out of paint. And so we, uh, my wife, Heather, said, oh, she'll go to the paint store, and we go to Sherman-Williams, we're talking which you know paint to get and I'm like oh they've got it in their computer system that's kind of part of their bit is so you don't have to you know jot down all the the numbers and remember the the weird names that the paint colors are so we go to the she goes to the Sherman Williams who looks it up and uh you know he Mike Hall oh, oh yeah I got you here and looks down oh wow yeah you got a lot of paint oh I see yeah uh, so you've been uh, painting the entire interior of your house huh uh, I'm sorry, what's that? Yeah, it's uh, water-based latex, is that right? Uh, and all of a sudden, the panic. Now, what happens next is my wife calls me for a Sunday morning is all filtered enough that I can't share any of it with you. <laughs> but it was panic. Now, turns out the guy was wrong. He read the code wrong, and we did get the right kind of paint. But for about 15 minutes, we were in pure panic mode because I'm going, not only do we have to, not only did we waste all of that time, but now we have to undo what we did, and how do you get that paint off? We have to sell the house. That's the only option. <laughs> we're done. But it, it did get me thinking. In that amount of work, that we did, that especially my son Sam did. Is that all in vain? In fact, if we even take this theologically, we look at Ephesians 2.10 and say that God created work in advance for us to do before the foundation of the earth. Is that the Ephesians 2.10 work that God would have for us to do? Painting a house in vain that would completely go to waste? Is that spiritual? This morning, we're going to talk about work. Last week we talked about rest. This week we're going to talk about work. And it's, it's pretty confusing to talk about work, especially in the context of Christianity. Because there's words and phrases that people use that mean different things. So just this week, knowing that this is what I was going to talk about, I actually jotted down some phrases that I heard this week. So these are le- real life phrases. 
I really want to do ministry. I'm not sure what my calling is. I want to do what I'm passionate about. I don't know what I'm passionate about. I'm not sure what God wants me to do. I need a job. And then, and then the terminology we use when it comes to work, sometimes we mean something, sometimes it's interchangeable. We use, use words like calling, hobby, vocation, job, work, career, layperson, ministry, secular. So when we look at all of these term, all this terminology and all this meaning when it comes to work, let's stop and go, you know, what does Scripture say about work? So if you turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to start with the very first words in the very first chapter in the first book of the most important book we have. Genesis 1. In my Bible, it's on page 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right there at the very first, God created. And then he continues on, right? These first six days. And I'm going to skip around a little bit, but you can follow me. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God said... Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the water from the waters. And verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And then moving in verse 12, The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. Moving on, And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. Verse 20, And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, which was the waters, which was the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And then in verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creepy things and beasts in the earth according to their kinds. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder when God was creating the fish, the scales of the fish that actually show different colors depending on how the lights are, where God's creating the beast or he's creating the little caterpillar with the fuzzy things on it or, or even in the big picture stuff when God created the stars and the moon and the sun when he actually made land and pushed the water back when God was creating all of these things was it work or was it play I kind of think both we know it's work God says it was work but we also see after each day God stops and he looks at what he did and he said this is good. He delighted in his creation. God right here, in the first chapter of Genesis, he defines what work is. Work is getting to create something and that work is bringing order out of chaos. That work is to create and it's to bring order out of chaos. 
So then, God does something a bit crazy in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. In order for us to understand work, we actually need to first understand this made in God's image that we have. To say, what does it mean to be made in God's image? It was a crazy thing at that point in time to hear that man, that woman, that just humankind was made in God's image. If you were to read that, you, you might have thought, wait, me, a worker in God's image? Maybe Pharaoh, he, he might have been made in God's image, but not the guys who actually created the pyramid. Not just regular folks. We're not made in God's image. But we even need to say, what does that look like? What does it mean to be in the, made in the image of God? Uh, we know we are exactly like God. We know we're not everywhere at all times. We know we not, we're not all-knowing. Is, is it a reflection like in a mirror that we just look like God? I mean, we're talking physically or emotionally or spiritually or intellectually. What, what does that mean? And, and is it like an image? Or is it like maybe one of those funhouse images, you know, that are all kind of waved and wonky and we're sort of like, look like God? Or... or Maybe like a, a muddy pond where you can kind of tell what's there, but it's a mono color. What does this made in the image of God mean? The, the term that we often use is a Latin term. I mean, it says imago Dei. What is the imago Dei? What does it mean for us to be made in his image? When we think about the imago Dei, we can actually take a step back first and think about it through a big picture of all of humanity and all, all of Scripture. I mean, so Scripture is God's story about what He's done here in this universe with Him as it relates to us. And so this Imago Day started when God made Adam. And Adam is the, or was the Imago Day, the image of God. But then came sin and messed it up. And then there was Noah. And Noah was the Imago Day. And then there was sin, and it messed it up. And so then there was even Israel, and as a nation, it was in a sense the Imago Day. But again, sin, and it gets messed up. And so God sent Jesus, who was not just in the image of God, but God himself with flesh on, who then died for us, so that we as the church, as Imago Day. Not only were we created as humans, as the image of God, but we can live now through Christ. And so that we can be connected to God, not just in how we were made, not just in how we were created, but that we can have a relationship with God the Father because of him, as the Imago Dei, so that when we do work, that there can be more direction and focus and a fulfillment that was not even able to happen through all the history of the world. But when I think of Imago Day, I think of another uh, a picture. So when we were in Frisco, right outside of Dallas, I had a good friend of mine who was the pastor of the church, and I was pretty involved in the church then, and so we did a lot of things together. Uh, well, he was one of those friends where we would just 
belly laugh sometimes together where you just can't stop laughing and your stomach kind of hurts, but you still kind of keep going. His name was Barry, Barry Keldy, and a, a good friend. We had fun times together. And then we also had times that were not fun, some hard times where we got to walk through life with people with some messy marriages and addictions and um, broken lives. We got to weep with other people together. Barry, when he was in his 30s, tragically died. And it was hard. Well, this last week, I was wasting time going through Facebook. And when Barry died, he left a three-year-old son named Will and a one-year-old daughter named Layla. And I see an eight-year-old picture, and it was Will. Now, I don't know Will. He doesn't know me. But when I saw his picture, I saw Barry. And the flood of memories that I had with my buddy all come back. The good times, the bad times, the laughter. went, oh my gosh, that's Barry. That through his son, I saw the image of the father. In the same way, in fact, in a more way, that's how we are the image of God. Not just that we have half of his DNA, and so we kind of look like him, but in all of our essence and who we are, that is a piece of who God is, that we get to reflect him. So, as the image of God, when we talk about work, and we see how God works, God works by creating things and by bringing order out of chaos, we get to work in the same way, being that we are made in the image of God. So if we go to the next chapter in Genesis 2, chapter 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now keep in mind, we're here in Genesis 2. This is still before sin has entered the world. That our work is not something that is a result of a fallen world. It's not a result of sin. It's something that was, we were designed to do just as God designed to do it for us and designed to do it for him. That work in itself is good, not because of the fall. Well, two words in here. The first that uh, we are to work and keep the land. The first word is work, meaning to dress or to cultivate. When I think of, of dressing, I first think of vines and that we get to take vines and put them in the right place. But in a sense, to think to dress it, it's almost as if God has created the world naked and that we get to clothe it, that we get to create like God created, that God has created the canvas and God has created the crayons and the colors and we get to put it together. We get to be part of that creation process. If you've noticed in the first floor and out the foundry, in the back room, we've removed the tables and we just now have an art gallery back there. We've moved some other tables. We haven't lost any seating for those of you who are business-minded like I am. Revenue. But it was important enough for us to take that room and make it an art gallery. Why? Because we want to showcase the art. We want to showcase the creativity. We want to showcase our local artists who actually take nothing and make it into something because that is work the way God works. That reflects God. That reflects us as the Imago Dei, getting to do the kind of work the way God does work. And that gives them honor and glory. So we want to dedicate a room to that. And we want to put some benches there so you can sit and admire the way other people Imago Dei. 
the way they work as an Imago Day. It's that big of a deal. So we have to work it or to keep it, to keep the order as part of working, as we define work, as God defines work as bringing order from chaos. It's to keeping, protecting. It's keeping the order. That's what Adam is called to do. A few things, notes about Adam's job that God gave him. We don't know his hourly rate. We don't know how much God was paying him. Why? He didn't get a paycheck. Our work is not defined by a paycheck or by how much we make. Our work is what we do. It's bringing order out of chaos. It's creating things. Adam also, he was not in full-time ministry. He didn't get a check from a church. He didn't work for a church. That he was a farmer. Adam, in order to get this job, he didn't have to take a strength finder's test. He didn't find out what his gifts and skills were in order to work. He worked because this was the job God gave him. We also know that Adam was with Eve, that there is a sense of community when we work. There was a project about 10 years called the Toaster Project, and a, a guy looked to see what would it take for me to make a $4 toaster if I were to do it all myself. And He's like, okay, well, I'd have to get the steel. Well, how would I get the steel? How, oh, I'd have to mine and the copper and the, the ore, and I'd have to, in order to get the copper to make the plug. And then once I do that, how do I, well, how do I fire up the kettle? I have to make a kettle. And then, oh, I've got to transport it, so how do I get it from here to here? Well, I'd have to, I'd have to make a car. Well, how do I make a car? And you start backing up all of the things you'd have to do to make a $4 toaster, and it ended up being billions of dollars if you were to try to do it yourself from scratch. That on a macro picture, we're all... Our work is all connected to each other. But even in a micro picture, as we go to work, we're dependent upon each other to work. That work is meant to be done in community. But also, as God, or as Adam was in the garden, he was with God. And our work is designed for us to do with God. That as the Holy Spirit lives inside us, we are to practice God's presence, that we are to be connected with him, to abide, so to speak. Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. That's what this looks like. It's, a, it's being connected that the spirit of God is in us and that we are with him as we do work. And how might this play itself out? Maybe you drive trucks. And as you're driving through a city, you get to pray for that city, that the gospel would go forth in that city. Maybe you're folding underwear and you get to pray for the butts that go inside that underwear for your family. I'm assuming that's whose underwear you're folding. That that's what it means to abide, to be with God as we do our work. You know, another part of Adam getting to work is that it is a way he provides for his family. Sometimes, the way to honor God is to just get a job, is to get a paycheck, to be able to provide for yourself, to be able to provide for your family. And that in itself is honoring to God. So, as someone who is an image bearer of God, someone who has the qualities of God and that we were designed to work from a place of rest, uh, real quick, as a place of rest, we talked about rest last week not being just something that we do as a rest, but a, a condition of our soul, 
that rest is something that, in a sense, we discover that comes upon us that we find ourselves in, that when we work, we can work from a place of that peace, of that rest, that it's out of that that we can actually do good work, that one doesn't follow the other, that they both can go in conjunction. So as we are, as we are designed to work from a place of rest, can give us meaning and joy that we get to create things and we get to bring order to chaos. So, how do we do it? How does it really play itself out? Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on then is God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so that you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, verse 17, that's what people often land right there to say, hey, how should I work? And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. But if we look at our primary calling, if we look to say, hey, what is it that God has for us to do? We can just look simply to the scripture right above verse 17. That our primary calling is to have faith. It's to bear one another, to forgive one another, to put on love, to let peace rule in our hearts, to sing psalms and hymns and to be thankful. Right? In verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. But then specifically, you go, okay, I get that. Yes, I'm to be a Christian to do those good things, but what about me? What specific thing am I supposed to do? And Colossians moves on and addresses, well, are you a are you a mom? Are you a wife? Are you a father? Are you an employee? Are you a child? A husband? Because those are covered as well. We move on. And scripture says, wives, submit to your husbands. It's fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wife and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything. Those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of hearts, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. How, how do we work? What do we do? What is God specifically calling us to do? The stuff you're doing. We are to work where we are. That's our work. In fact, the word vocation, interesting enough, comes from the Latin word, vocar meaning calling. It, it actually came from the, uh, refer, well, it became more popular in the uh, Reformation and the Reformers, and they started using this word, calling, vocation, meaning calling. Uh, because what was happening then was in the Roman Catholic Church, 
right? There were the priests who were more important. You guys, uh, you probably don't know this. Um, so I'm on part-time staff here at Bethel. And because of that, God uh, loves me a little bit more than he loves you. <laughs> I know it's hard to hear for some of you, but it's true. I'm special. I'm his favorite. No, it's ridiculous, right? But that was what was going on. That uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, the priest were at a higher level, a higher calling. So this word came out in the Reformation that says, hey, no, uh, this, me, this word vocation means calling. And that what, what the Reformers were communicating is that your job, your work, what you do, whether you're getting paid for it or not, whether you're in the home or in an office or in a field, that is your calling from God. That is as spiritual and as important as a priest or a pastor or someone else who gets a check from a 501c3 or a missionary. That is your God-given calling. And I know we pick at the Roman Catholic Church a little bit, but we have churches close to our denomination that sometimes do the same thing. Uh, sometimes churches have an altar call, right? Which, th- that's fine. We don't do altar calls, and there's nothing inherently wrong with an altar call. But it's when you say, hey, you, all of a sudden God has moved in your life, and he's called your name, and you, you get to walk forward and uh, say something to the pastor, and then it's, hey, this person's a Christian. And it's, in a sense, a way to say, this is my faith. I am now a believer. But then sometimes uh, they have these sort of secondary altar calls where a a pastor or a preacher might say, hey, if you are called to the ministry, we want you to walk forward down the aisle as well. And you know what? Some people are called to the ministry. There's some people, that is their vocation. That is their calling to be in a full-time ministry at a church or a nonprofit or a missionary. That's great. And we can do an altar call for that. But I think we should also do altar calls for dentists. Because that makes just the amount of same sense. In fact, it might even make more sense. It's a hard job. It's a lot of education. And they've got to study and they've got these little small mouths they have to work in all day long. That's got to be stressful, right? And they've got to have that drill that makes that noise that freaks me out. They've got to be around it all day long. So today, after service, if you feel led to be a dentist, we want to do an altar call for you. We're not going to do that. But we could. It's just as fair for all the denti out there. Is that the plural of dentist? Probably not. So, whatever we do, that's what our calling is. Unless you're a hitman, but that's another story. That's, that, I wrote that in my notes, and I really didn't need to say that. I think that's kind of illegal drugs, blah, 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 all right. So, what about Ephesians 2.10? We do need to pause there. Or, or in 1 Corinthians, when we talk about specific gifts, skills, spiritual gifts that were given to us, specific work that God has for us that he called us to do before time. Go ahead and read Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Your work is intentionally set up before the foundation of time for you to do that. Whatever that work is, whatever it is that you create, However it is that you bring order out of chaos, God has set that up for you. But it is not a puzzle to be figured out. Paul did not have to take a Myers-Briggs test to know that he should make tents. Jesus was a carpenter for 30 years, not because he was real good at protractors and cutting wood, because his dad was a carpenter. 
It was right there for him to do. So if you have skills, gifts, talents, experience, God's clear, yes, steward those, of course. Use those for God's glory. But don't let that get in your way of work, of doing the work that God wants you to do. I even think of kids as an imago day when we daydreamed about what we were going to do or be when we grow up. We, our kids wore capes for a while. It was a staple for a lot, of their, uh, a lot of their drawers. I was sad when we got rid of our last cape because they wanted to be Superman, Batman. You know why? Because they wanted to, they wouldn't be able to articulate this way, but they wanted to bring order out of a chaotic world. One of other sons said he wanted to build a rocket. He said, oh, we'll get some cardboard. No, Dad, a, a real rocket. Okay, we're not going to do that. Why not? Another story. Why? Because he wanted to create something. That even as kids, the imago day in us that we long for and our souls want to create, that we want to do work, that we want to bring order out of chaos. And we do this, right? Heartily for the Lord and not for man which is a good piece of scripture for us to remember why we work. That we're not working just for a paycheck. That we're not working for our boss or our vendors or our customers or even ourselves. That we are working for God. And how does this work? Teachers, bring order out of kids' minds. Artists, create things that didn't exist. Managers, create a culture that can reflect the character of God. Entrepreneurs, create products and services that make the world better. Medical professionals bring order to a chaotic body. Administrators bring order to our businesses. And we could go on and on as we talk about creating roads and creating software and products and bringing order together in an imago day. Uh, final picture and thought. When we do think about work, we have to be careful that it doesn't become the idol in itself about how good of a worker we are, or maybe how much money we make, that that gives us a, a value in itself. That we find that our value can quickly become not based on what Christ has done and who we are as Him, in Him, but on what we do. Uh, this is a picture that I love when I think of this. It's a father mowing the yard with his son right behind him. I've been the father in this picture and I've been the son in my life. And when it happens, when you're mowing the yard and the son's right there, the father gets to look back at the son and just delight that his son is working with him. And the son gets to push the lawnmower and look up at his dad and go, I'm working with you, dad. And when they sit there together at the table that night and they talk about their day, the father doesn't go, well, I cut more lawn than my son did. We're not going to measure his worth by how much grass the plastic lawnmower cut. No. The father is going to look in the son's eyes and go, thanks for working with me, son. It's brought me joy and delight. And the son is going to be delighted that he got to work with his dad in the same way that his dad got to work in the imago day, so to speak, of his dad. That's what we get to do. We get to work with our dad as an imago day, as being created and made in his image, we know that he's the God that is doing the work 
and that he doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us and that we get to work like our Father has worked in the same way for us to create things and to make order out of chaos. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for allowing us to work in the way that you worked. We thank you for making us in your image as an imago day. We confess we don't even fully get all what that means, but we want to delight in the work that we get to do. I pray that you allow us to work in a way that honors you. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, would you stand for a benediction? May we know and understand the good works that God has created us to do. And as we work, may we delight in what we do. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.